Welcome to the DCR podcast, the podcast that goes behind the scenes at Delano's Coffee Roasters, as well as a peek into the backstories of some of your favorite specialty coffee retailers across America. Okay, today's guest is our uh, very own Anna Gutierrez. And uh, Anna is the director of brand development for Barista 22. Barista 22 has a line of syrups, sauces, powders, among other things. And uh, hi, Anna. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? Perfect. So uh, let's talk about first kind of your background and how you got into the coffee industry in the first place. For sure. So I started in the coffee industry as a barista back in 1997. And I was kind of at the beginning of, I guess you could say, when coffee was starting to become popular in the area and worked at a little drive through. And that's kind of where I cut my teeth in the coffee industry. So um, where where in the country? So I was here okay. in like the Sumner area, Lake Taps. Gotcha. It used to be called the the first coffee stand I worked at was called Tapa Taps. Tapa Taps. And then it Top changed Taps. to Forest Canyon Coffee up by Lake Taps, Washington. Okay. So I started there. I actually only worked there for about two months, and I, months. Two months. I always comment on how Anna pronounces the full on months, I like and I just say like months, like M U N C E. Oh, geez. Now yeah. I don't know what Hill, I do anymore. Full I definitely don't say full months. Bonnie Lake Hill. Months is weird. Yeah. yeah. I can't help it. Yeah. I, it's impressive. Yeah. Months. So, months. So the reason I only worked there for two months was because I was hired part time to replace somebody. Well, that person who left for the other job didn't like their job and wanted to come back. And they were dating the owner's uh, son. Ooh, gotcha. Right? The old dating the so, owner's son trick. So, A little drama yeah. in the uh, coffee. Oh, yeah. World. I yeah, mean, is there, yeah. there's always right? drama. Oh, yeah, of course. There's always something going on. So I actually got another part-time job at a really, really awesome cafe with a drive-through. And I was actually working there. And my husband, who was my fiance at the time, he had picked up my paycheck from the part-time two months position. And he comes and he says, Hey, I, I have something for you. And I was like, Oh, okay, what? And he goes, There's a there's a note in your paycheck. And I was like, Cool, just read it to me. And I'm making yeah. drinks behind bar. And right. I'm just like, and he goes, Well, you might want to come over here for a second. I'm like, just read it to me. And he goes, Okay. Um, so basically I got fired from oh, that job nice. <laughs> because there was the, they saw a conflict of timing. It probably worked out for the best for everyone. But um, actually the great thing is that David Celeste was the one who referred me to the other job at the cafe with the drive-thru, Okay. which um, for those of you who don't know, Celeste is David's wife who I have known since high school. And uh, yeah, so basically my husband, fired me nice on behalf of my old boss <laughs> oh my from that job but it was all for the best anyway and I ended up going into management and got to really kind of learn how to run a team and hire and order and you know create schedules and all that good stuff and then I moved to Starbucks I did have a little bout working as a partner for Starbucks which I think a lot of people have had mm-hmm. and while I was working at Starbucks, also, Celeste came to visit me at work. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, right? I she, forgot about this. I didn't this. realize she was going to come yeah. so much. Yeah. But Celeste came and visited me at work just to say hi. And the next day, I'm working the drive through at Starbucks. And my manager comes out and said, hey, there's a call for you. It's a girl named Celeste on the phone. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. And uh, I answered the phone and Celeste said, hey, 
uh, we're hiring at Delano's for a sales rep position. And I think you'd be awesome for it. And I think you should just like go home, talk to Mike, my husband about it and pray about it and whatever. But also if you're interested, you have to turn in a resume tomorrow. Nice. So I uh, happened to switch shifts with somebody else and randomly had like a Thursday off. So I brushed up my resume, brought it down to Delano's and interviewed on the spot. And um, yeah, so that's kind of how I got more into the like sales side of the coffee industry. Right. Uh, and then basically from there, I was doing sales with Delano's and got into signature drink competitions, which was a fun thing for me. Mm -hmm. And that kind of rolled me into realizing that I had a niche for flavoring and a palette for picking up flavor notes from products and things like that and combining them together different ways. And, um, and then Dadan, she left us folks. I <laughs> did. I left. For just a period of time. Again, I feel few like short years. Just a couple. It just I needed to just kind of try something different. And I was still in the coffee industry. And again, I feel like every stage of my life when I've kind of taken risks and done things that I was hesitant about, in the end, they ended up being like huge benefits because I learned something yeah. that prepared me better for yeah. my next job. Yes. So I left and I actually became a broker and working more with distributors in the coffee industry and manufacturers. And in those four years that I was gone, I really got to kind of understand how that side of the industry works and how those relationships work. And yeah. And then David, you and Chris called me up and said, Hey, yep, we love you. We miss you. We want you back. And yep. we want you to run Barista 22. Exactly. So I came back, gosh, now uh, March coming up in a couple of weeks, I will have been back for six years. Back for six years? Back for six years. Jeez. For a total of? For a total of 15 years. Jeez. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So Anna, when you left Delano's as a sales rep, primarily selling coffee mm -hmm. to people, then you went and worked uh, for Ghirardelli. Yep. Kind of primarily sold. Yep. Yeah. Why don't you tell us yeah, what you was, sold there to, just yep. to come back to Delano's running yeah. the the line there. So, yeah. you know, maybe wouldn't even happened if she stuck around, could have been selling coffee. Maybe you, you never know, like you're yeah, saying. Yeah, definitely. Well, and actually my last position before I left Delano's, I was our senior account representative. So basically I, I had a great job of managing all our largest chain and franchise customers. So I was essentially like their personal consultant, if you will. Yes, I did still do some sales, but it was more of like a consulting type of a position. And um, and yeah, so when I was a broker, I was the Northwest Regional Sales Manager for a company called Gourmet Source. And we repped for Ghirardelli Chocolate, which obviously is a huge, huge brand. Right. Also Pacific Foods, another really large brand. And the great thing was I was able to kind of use some of my background in drink development and product development to actually help them develop some products as well. So yeah, it's kind of like everything was sort of tied in together. Mm -hmm. And I even learned things with working with those companies that I've transferred over with how we handle our R&D process for Barista 22 even. And, um, and the customers that you were selling to yeah. were the end user who you used to work with when you worked at Delano's in the first place. Yeah. You sold to those coffee, you know, especially coffee houses. Yeah. And even Delano's, my maintain, like I maintained a relationship with Delano's even when I was gone because they were actually my customers, exactly. then, which was sort of funny. Yeah. And, you know, I'd come in and go over 
sales numbers with Delano's and, you know, what other things I could do to support them better on the products that I was representing. Yeah. And um, yeah. So. Cool. Awesome. So um, what would you say makes uh, Barista 22 brand products uh, different from some of the other syrup and sauce uh, uh, manufacturers? Yeah. So our we use the tagline of buy baristas for baristas. And what that means is essentially a lot of the other big brands in the coffee industry, not all of them, but the majority of them all started in the cocktail industry, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. that's an amazing industry in mm -hmm. itself. Yeah. However, when you're mixing spirits with flavorings and things like that, they come through very, very differently and perform very differently than milk or coffee. Right. So if you think of it, if you've got a 16 ounce drink, you have an ounce and a half as your syrup. And maybe two to three ounces are your shots of espresso. And then from there, you've got another like nine to 10 or whatever ounces of milk right. carrying that flavoring through. And those are going to perform very, very differently. And so what we found was that as we would do taste tests against our competition, we really wanted to make sure that our flavors performed in milk and with coffee and tea and soda water and kind of everything, which ends up being a really, really tricky thing in formulation. So um, so that's kind of the thing that we really pride ourselves on is that everything we do, we are trying these drinks in every application in a coffee shop, like what they would use it for to make sure that it performs well and tastes great. So um, yeah, you're going to get more of like the true flavor of things too. And that's that's kind of the biggest thing that sets us apart. Everything we do is formulated and, you know, we we have products that we also send to customers to actually even run a test at a really, really busy business or a shop just to kind of see how it performs and what they think and what their feedback is, what their customers feedback is. So we're super, super hands on on the development of everything. And we really listen to our customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really What's the other cool thing about that is, you know, with coffee, there's there's such a, a range of what actual coffee tastes like, oh, yeah. depending on the variety and the roast and this the whole thing. And so just having a, a brand of product line that is exclusively focused on making sure that the beverages, no matter what that coffee range is, is paired perfectly is like why Barista 22 is hands down the best products out there. I mean, it's just a fact. Yeah, it really is. And then, and then I would say, and Anna wouldn't say this, but she has grown the brand every single year that she has uh, been with us and she's done an amazing job. And that's in spite of a giant bookstore chain that exclusively used Barista 22 went bankrupt. Um, Tully's, I don't mind saying, went bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. Um, Those were a rough couple of rough years. Rough couple of too. years, yet, yeah. yet yeah. she still was able to grow it. So Anna's a phenomenal salesperson, uh, mixologist, and just overall good person. So we're, oh, we're, we're glad to have her, of course. Oh, thank you. So Anna, tell us your morning uh, coffee routine. Well, my morning coffee routine, I actually... I've trained my husband very well. Nice. If I may say so, I have to give him credit for nice. it because so of course I have all of the contraptions. I have all the brewing devices at home. I have a siphon, a Chemex, a V60, I have, you name it. Mm -hmm. um, but we are just go-to drip coffee people in the morning. Yeah. So I drink midway every single morning and my husband, bless his heart, he gets awesome. up first, he makes coffee. 
I wake up, I hop on my phone and I'm checking some emails and things and he brings me coffee in bed and that's how I start my morning. There's really nothing better, I we think, than just smelling coffee when you oh, wake yeah. up. I mean, some people say like, well, I like this to wake up to the smell of bacon or whatever. I mean, the smell of coffee in the morning too, and but... you know what's going on there. It's, it's oh, pretty yeah. cool. Well, and even before I even smell the coffee, the sound of the grinder turning on. There you go. You know, that's, the alarm. That that's the alarm seconds. clock. That's the, that's yeah. the alarm yeah, clock. That's the sure. wake up. Nice. Yep. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it sounds like Miguel's coffee house is the best place. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But yeah, I would say that's my at home go-to thing. And then when I come into the office, I usually, you know, kind of get a little creative with stuff, depending on what flavors we're developing or if we're working on a new drink recipe. I do definitely experiment and play around with things when I'm working in our test kitchen. And yeah. Okay. So you have your coffee, you come to work. What's yeah. your favorite thing to do? What's your favorite thing about uh, being a coffee professional in your job with Barista 22? As cliche as it sounds, it's it's the people. I know, I know. I mouthed it before you she did. said it. But the thing is, is our industry, you know, coffee is what the second highest commodity traded to oil mm -hmm. and fuel or whatever. But as big as the coffee industry is, it's so extremely small. And a lot of us have been in it for a very, very long time. So when I tie in and think back to, I just filled out a questionnaire actually for Coffee Fest and they had asked, you know, When's the first well, coffee, coffee fest? What's that? Is that a trade show? <laughs> they have those? Is, yeah. They have trade shows? <laughs> we yeah. still have trade shows. I didn't know. We okay. sure do. Yeah. I can hardly wait to see people again on that show floor, hopefully this year. Yeah. Multiple times if it works out. But um, yeah, basically, I, I, I just, when I was filling out that questionnaire about coffee fest and knowing that I've been to literally every single coffee fest show since like 2003 or 2004, um, you know, it's like a family. It really is. And that's not just the exhibitors who have been in the industry on kind of our side, if I can kind of say that as running a booth and getting leads at the shows, but also a ton of attendees who are customers who come to the show because they know that there's new, new information to learn every time. But also even on top of that is, um, people that we just see as leads that have a coffee shop in Florida or California or Texas or Illinois or something. And they come to multiple shows a year and or over the years and you develop relationships with these people. And um, yeah, I mean, I think if I didn't enjoy who I worked with or who I surrounded myself with, this job would not be nearly as rewarding yeah. as it is. And I would tell you folks, again, as cliche as it sounds, when you look up people person in the dictionary, <laughs> Anna's face is with her, with her bright eyes is staring right back at you. So, yeah. And the, and the cool thing about that too, and, and what makes Anna so special, I mean, is this is just an, an Anna love fest oh, is yeah. what Gosh, it sounds I like. Love her. It. But, Bring it. but so yeah, you're absolutely, you're a people person, but you also are actually the, one who's developing the flavors mm -hmm. and you're get your little science lab coat on you go back to the manufacturer you tweak that like talk to us about what that process is like and developing a flavor of barista 22 and you know that that's kind of a little bit behind the curtain thing that i don't yeah. think a lot of people that who sell the product really get to experience that you're you're unique in that way sure and yeah that, and that delano's is partners in the 
Go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Well, one of the things I do like to explain to people is that even though Barista 22 might seem like a small brand out there compared to some of our competitors, we have the power and support of a large company because we have the driving force of Delano's that's really like, you know, pushing us forward and giving us that support that we need. But we had the mobility of a small company. And with that, it's on kind of different levels. It can be on adding new products that we can add new products really quickly. It's not like we have to have some crazy long, you know, six month process of going through the board of whoever to decide if we're going to add something. I basically go through numbers of volumes of sales that we can project. And if it is a reason for us to bring on a product that customers want, and then we, we do it. Or if there's a product that we're getting a few comments, like we, for example, our caramel sauce. People love our caramel sauce, but the thickness of our caramel sauce, we had a couple of customers during the winter time. If there's a jug of it next to a drive-through window, you go to pump that product and it's really, really thick. And there's nothing worse than hearing a customer say, our baristas just hate making caramel sauce lattes or whatever during the winter because they can't right. pump it. That's no good. That's no good at all. So basically we took that and we said, okay, Let's do a couple versions. I went and spent time in our lab. We played around with the recipe for it, thinned it out, increased a few other flavor components to it, and had a new product on our next production yeah. run. And so now it's that. even better. And yep. And that, yeah, that was actually the funny thing with that one. We were we were thinning it out, but again, we increased some flavoring components so that we wouldn't lack in that flavor. But um, when we did the taste test and actually sent some samples to customers. Our new, our newly developed caramel sauce actually ended up being preferred in a blind tasting over our old one. Um, so, you know, yeah. sometimes it gives us an opportunity to add new things um, or, or I guess not add new things, but change something that we didn't even realize we could make better. And then diving that into the R&D process. Yeah. So um, it's a lot more complicated than what people think and almost, not almost, to a fault, I'm really particular about the product line and what the flavoring is going to taste like that I might go through additional steps and iterations of R&D longer than what other people may do because I want to meet or beat our competition in a tasting. So if we don't, it's not good enough for me. Bottom line. Yeah. yeah. And, and more than just flavor too, it's flavor, it's texture, yep. the mouthfeel. Does it, is yep. it going to curdle yeah, in the totally. different, all of those things are, are factors to consider mm -hmm. in, when you're making that product. Yeah. yeah. So in the R and D process, it's definitely changed this year with obviously the state of the <clears throat> world and everyone just trying to kind of be safer with their protocols in their labs or in their manufacturing facilities. But basically let's just take example, let's just use vanilla. So let's say we're getting ready to develop a vanilla syrup. What we do is we taste all of our competitors against each other in a blind tasting with a panel of different consumers kind of across the board. And we have them rate their favorite to least favorite vanilla. And we basically take the favorite one that's preferred and why they liked it. And we either say, okay, we want to meet or beat this, but maybe I have a little bit of a different tweak. Maybe I feel like the one that was the most preferred could use a little bit of something else to it. And so we basically let our manufacturing facility know the flavor profile we're looking for, as well as the flavor house. So our manufacturing facility, that's where they bring in all of the raw materials to make our products. 
But like the, the manufacturing facility, they don't make sugar. They don't make citric acid. They don't make any kind of preservatives. And they also don't make the flavoring component. Those come from flavor houses. So we have to work with a flavor house separately. We let them know what our target is. Then the flavor house sends those options to our manufacturing facility. Then a lot of times I'll fly to our manufacturing facility, work in the lab with them. And we go through a lot of different tweaks of playing around with the bricks level, which is the amount of dissolved solids. So in a syrup, it's your sugar pretty much. Um, we play around with the pH level. We play around with the intensity of the syrup that we use or, or the flavoring component. So, you know, when you have all of those variables that really can um, make a huge difference, it's, it's easy when you're working with one variable, but when you're trying to balance out a little tug of war of three main variables that are affecting the flavor, and then you don't even know if that actual flavor component from the flavor house is even the right profile that you want. So you kind of try to like go back and forth and, and narrow that down and, it's a really long process. Ar arduous process that we've all been part of many, many times. Yeah. And and I'll just say that it's always blind too. It's never mm -hmm. it's never herd mentality where, oh, I like this one. Oh yeah, I like it too. I like it too. Everything's completely blind and, and people put down what they like before they talk to other people. Mm -hmm. And I even do that. I do blind taste tests even when I'm testing our current products against our competitors. Because when I'm going in to pitch our products to a customer, I want them to truly feel confident and like they unbiasedly chose our products over the other. So, um, yeah, we hold all tastings blind. Yeah, good. Only blind people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a lot of white canes it's, with red on the end. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Nice. Um, okay. Um, who do you look up to? Well, I am only five foot one, so hey. I look up to everybody. But I'm, dun, dun. I have to give my friend Amy credit for that one. She it's good, it's she good dad joke. That. Yep. Um, <laughs> Maybe mom joke. Mom, yeah, that's what I yeah right. Mom, yeah, because my mom is basically like five foot yeah. now. So um, she, I'm sure, looks up to me though. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So as far as people that I look up to, though, it's kind of interesting because I've never really had like a direct mentor my whole life or somebody that I've tried to emulate in like every aspect of my life, not to sound cheesy or whatever, but David, obviously I've worked for you mm -hmm. under you in different capacities for the last 19 years or so. Right. Um, and so I've learned a lot in just how to um, envision things and like create goals. And if you believe it, you can achieve it kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. But really, I mean, if you work hard for something, what's the worst that can happen? You'll be better than you were before. You might not always hit your goals, but at least you're working towards them instead of going backwards. Um, but honestly, I take little bits and pieces of different people in my life and try and kind of like form, I guess, what I do based on that. So I feel very fortunate that I grew up with great parents that created great values within me, you know, of being honest and hardworking and, uh, you know, if you want something, you work hard for it. And even being in high school and, you know, I was a cheerleader. And so sometimes money was not always there. And if I wanted to have a $1,500 cheer uniform that I needed for a year, I was babysitting and doing car washes and things and like working hard for it. And 
Um, you know, my parents really taught me a lot about that and just about family values, how to, you know, even family values kind of rolls into like the work-life balance that I really strive for is never making it seem like I don't have time for my family and my friends and relationships. Um, but yeah, I kind of just, yeah, I take little bits and pieces of people in my life that. So what's an example of a bit or a piece from Dave Rand, for example, what would be a good example that you, of a, something that you look up to him for? One thing that I think, and actually this rolls into something with my dad too. Um, oh shoot. I just was talking to my dad about this and it's called like the something method where basically if you don't ask for something, you never know if you could get it or not. So just ask. So one of the examples he was telling me was he um, had booked a hotel room for, a, he's a chiropractor. So it was for a chiropractic seminar and he had booked his room and he wanted to get an upgrade. And he had just listened or read this thing of this guy who was like, ask for anything. And the worst they can say is no, but right. And uh, he asked for an upgrade of his room and they were like, well, I can't do that, but maybe, you know, I can't authorize that. He said, okay, well, cool. Can I talk to a manager or a supervisor? And, you know, basically just asked through the line of things and got, you know, this crazy huge like penthouse suite for like 10 bucks more than what his other room rate was going to be. And just always telling you like, you, you never know unless you ask. And I think that's something that Dave is really great about. And sometimes it can even make me cringe a little bit that Dave will just be so gutsy about some of the things that he'll say and do. And, um, but just asking for things or just kind of calling people more out on the spot of things. You don't really have a filter very much. Um, so <laughs> thanks, Anna. That's really good advice. David, can I, <laughs> can I get a, have a raise, please? Yes, yeah. please. Oh, right. and he just said, yes. See, oh, there you, go. you guys, we just did it. Boom. So, yeah. so, so I'll say on that subject, there's a book by, uh, Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen, the chicken soup for the soul guys. Oh my gosh. That was the one. The Aladdin factor. Yes. No way. Yes. That is it. Are you serious? I'm totally dead serious okay. because Aladdin factor, yeah. it made me think of like Vegas. They were staying at the Luxor mm -hmm. and perfect. It was completely That's amazing. that. We did not talk about this earlier. We didn't. That was one of my favorite books about asking. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, and I've also, you know, Dave is the guy, if you need to like have your um, Comcast bill hey. negotiated. He's the, gotta ask. He's the Comcast guy. Yeah. You got it, man. Yeah. You got to ask. For sure. Ask. Yep. Yeah. All different things from all different people's personalities you can pick up, even if that's not your personality. Mm -hmm. Like you get, I'm sure you get stuff from Chris, my brother, a whole different totally. set of things because he's a lot different than me, yet we're a lot the same too. Yeah. Okay, now we're going to do some rapid fire questions, Anna. I'm going to read kind of a either or. There could be two things or three things or four things, and you choose what your favorite thing of that deal is, and Dave will say his, and we'll compare those. Yeah, thanks, right. David. I appreciate you letting me do this because I've been the one who's asked I know. these, and everyone is saying, "Well, Dave, what do you what do you prefer?" Every, oh, all the There's I mean, we're getting up. letters, emails. I, I mean, know it's everyone just, wants to know. It's over. It's a little bit overwhelming. It's a little overwhelming. Please tell me Dave's preferences. Ribeye or a fillet, and it's yes. obviously a ribeye. So okay. there you go. Okay. You just ruined the first one. Okay. okay let's <laughs> right off the bat, ribeye or filet. Mm, oh man. These are tough right They're off the be bat. Tough. Yeah. Cause here's the deal. Ribeye has more flavor, yep. but filet, just the tenderness yep. of it. And honestly, I think a lot of it is in how you prepare it. It is. Of course it is. I, um, 
I would say ribeye, but I would order filet. Interesting. And I'm going ribeye. I'm going to take it one level further. I'm going to say ribeye cap. There Boom. Go. There Ooh. you go. There you go. Or it's also known as the spinale cut, <laughs> I <Perfect>. think. <laughs> Is it? I think so. Okay, we'll have to do a fact check on that there, fact Josh. Check. But fact either check. way, though, yes. I am like cast iron. Yeah, you got to do it. Hot sear, medium rare always. Yes. And I do thyme and butter and garlic. Yes. Perfect. I'm remembering the time that we, the time, see what I did there? Oh. Dad yeah. joke. Um, no, we went to that uh, St. Elmo's steak place. Totally. Yeah. I'm just thinking picture right? in Indianapolis. Yeah, famous for their shrimp cocktail with extra spicy horseradish. Uh, yes. Major steak fast. And oh, yeah. we were talking about the same conversation then. Anyway, Perfect. Good, good time. House on 10 acre ranch or house on a lake? Gosh, these are tough. Um, I would say, can so, I have horses? So decisiveness is not one of Anna's <laughs> big traits, as we can see here. This is very true because I am the forever optimist. I also at one time in my life thought I was going to be a lawyer because I felt like I could argue either side of yes. a case. So instead of rapid fire questions, we need to, <laughs> last time I said we call it medium fire questions, yeah. but now I'm going to have to go with... Long form, slow burn questions, slow burn questions <laughs> and extra explanation. And you have to give a, uh, 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 instruction manual for each answer. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So Lake, I'm picturing like loud noises, boats, things like that, which could be, which could be really, really fun. But I think I would probably go for the piece of property. Okay. Um, but I would also have to have horses. Okay. Is there a, any sort of water Just on answer the, the damn question. Tanaka Ranch? No. Lake. Okay. Because you got to well, fish on. Salmon nerd. Okay. Salmon nerd. Yeah, but like, man, I mean, if you're on it, it depends what the yes. lake is, though, True. too. If it's a big, busy lake with motorboats and stuff, you're not going to have as much luck with your fishing. I'm going off. Yeah, I, I got it. I okay. got it in my brain. Ready? Sports car, SUV, or pickup truck? SUV. SUV. Okay. As a spectator, football, basketball, or baseball? Baseball, go Cubbies! Football. Um, the weather outside, 75 or 90? 75. 75. Interesting. Nike, Adidas, Brooks, or New Balance? Pick a shoe. Uh, right now I have Brooks and I've had a couple pairs of Brooks that I've really liked, but they're not as stylish as the only problem. Functionality wise, Brooks all day. Style wise, I would go more like Nike. I'm going Nike and it might be changing to Adidas soon, but that's a whole nother podcast. podcast. Because you saw my new uh, Adidas yesterday. That's a whole nother podcast. Better actor, Brad Pitt or Clint Eastwood? Oh my gosh. Um, probably Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt and it's not even close. Yeah. Sorry. Really? Sorry. Clint Eastwood's kind of like a... It's, I don't know. He, he's a one trick pony. Yeah, he kind of is. Which yeah. isn't bad, but. But Brad Pitt can like, he can. I mean, what do can anything? he do really? I, I mean, mean, really. Goodness. <laughs> iPhone or Android? <laughs> iPhone. All iPhone. Day long. Why are we, why are you even on asking? there? My <laughs> husband would say Android, and I did oh. try an Android based phone. <laughs> I think it lasted three days, yes. and I almost threw Dude. it out the window, and I think it made me cry. Basically, <laughs> if I text somebody and the text is green instead of blue, I immediately become no, delete no contact. friends. Delete contact. <laughs> yeah. 
hundred percent. Yeah. I, I have the phone set. If it's green, it just deletes it's automatically. It's not worth it to text them because if yeah. you're in a group thread, it's, then nobody can just do thumbs thing. up. Instead, yeah. it's like totally. laughed it's, at, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's just... I'm I'm really saying this because my husband has an Android based phone. Right. And it, well, even when you travel too, you can't text someone things. on a plane that doesn't have an iPhone. Totally. iPhone you can. Yeah. I message all that. If we had an Android uh <laughs> user right now, I'm sure he could uh he or she could uh you know yeah. whatever. spout off some things. Yeah. I will say I think if you really, really wanted to dig into it functionality wise, Android based phones have a lot more customizable things. Yeah. But for me, I'm a simpleton. I want to just be able to go to my apps and just do the very basic of things. Yeah. So basically, we know we all agree that Android is cool if you like stupid things. <laughs> okay. So vacation at the beach or cabin in the snow? Dude. Well, I mean, I'm getting ready to go to Hawaii in April. So vacation beach at the beach. Is, beach is like vacation. Yeah. But oh gosh, I do love me some snow. Beach. End of story. End of story. French toast, waffles, or eggs, Benny? Eggs, Benny, 100%. Eggs, Benny, yeah. Sunset or sunrise? Well, if you're watching a sunrise, usually for me, it's not because I woke up early. It's because I stayed up all nice. night. Hey, <laughs> so you saw both. Yeah, so I don't know. I think I think sunsets are just so beautiful, but sunrises are a little more rare and kind of more magical for whatever reason that you get to see yeah. it. Okay. Star Wars. Or Star oh, I'm a sunrise for sure. Yeah. Sunrise early, for he's sure. an early. I get texts from him really early when I'm like woke up getting ready to go back to sleep because I well, sometimes I get texts from you really early. Yeah. <laughs> it's tricky, though, because like sunrises, I feel like they get less and less pretty as yeah. the sun comes up. A sunset Gets is more just like more. constantly getting like more and more gorgeous. Yes, you're right. So I'll just tell you with the sunrise, I haven't set an alarm probably for 15 years. Oh my the gosh. only time I would ever set an alarm to wake up would be if, if it's an if early it morning like flight. If it's like a coffee grinder. Huh? If it's on like a coffee it's grinder. Yeah, there you no, go. No, unless it's going to catch a flight. But of course, if I have to wake up that early, catch a flight, I'm not going to be able to sleep anyway. So there's mm -hmm. really no point. So I haven't set an alarm forever. That's so crazy. sunrise, that's it. Okay. Um, if you're having drip coffee with cream or without? Oh, without. Without. Of course. 100%. Uh, pool or ping pong? Pool. Ping pong. Jeez, that's a great question. Man, I just, I get into like my geometry, I tap back into oh, angles man. and all that stuff. I can, two two drinks in and I'm a pool shark. You're a shark. <laughs> Four yeah. drinks in and you can't hold the down, stick. It does. Probably it does go pool, downhill. but neither of them are. Like golf, it has a it has a deal. Yeah, a couple like drinks, a yeah. couple <laughs> drinks yeah, gets yeah. better, and then the but three, four, or five drinks, yeah. and then it's worse. Same time. with karaoke. Yeah. Karaoke can be like that. With yeah, me too. yeah. <laughs> Same with catchphrase. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> um, tent or RV? Oh my gosh! Well, I grew up camper camping, and then the kids were also. We were in a tent. Yeah, I mean an RV. You have fond, is fond memories. Yeah, okay. that was like what I grew up doing for vacation. But I I personally feel like if you're going to rough it and be out there in the wilderness, I like tent camping. I can sleep fine. And I just feel like it's a little more nature-like than basically your house on wheels. Dave Rand? I would say hotel. That's what I'm going to say too. That's not even an option. <laughs> <laughs> but but then tent. Ten. Okay, lastly, uh, coffee roast, uh, light, medium, or dark? Depends on what I'm preparing it as. 
says the flavor girl. Yes. Um, I don't know. I think I, I kind of tend to go for a little bit more of like a medium roast because light to medium. Well, if, well if every like day you drink, uh, I drink midway every day. Yeah. Um, but also just as far as espresso and stuff goes, it kind of depends on what I'm making with it. If I'm just tra- tasting straight shots of espresso, usually a little bit lighter the roast, but more interesting flavor characteristics. Yes. More interesting flavor characteristics come through. Yes. So. Okay. And I'm saying light roast for me in general. I don't really make beverages with flavors in them or milk. I'm just a, kind of a straight espresso guy or drip or cold brew. So, so before the podcast here that we're, we're doing, I asked Anna to think of a fun story on the road, uh, for, like from a trade show or something. And she said, there's just so many, da, 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 whatever. And then she came up with one she wanted to talk about. And I'm involved in it too. So I know you guys, I've in past podcasts, I think I've talked about Evil Knievel and what a fan I am and how I knew him and I know his family and stuff like that. Well, they introduced me to someone named Tim Montana, who's a country singer. And Tim Montana knows Kid Rock. So we went to a trade show in Nashville and great trade show. And I'm going to let Anna tell the story from there. All right. So basically the whole weekend that, well, actually leading up to the trade show in Nashville, um, Alicia and her husband, Matt, and their daughter, JC, they also came to Nashville and they were like, hey, you all are going to be there for this coffee fest show. We're going to come into town too. And you guys go work all day. And then we're all going to just go party at night. So it was super, super fun. And on the last day of the show, obviously we knew that they were like friends with Tim, like you said, David, and then Tim's friends with Kid Rock. Well, the last day of the show, we finished tearing down and I got a text from Alicia and so Alicia, said, Alicia is Evil Knievel's youngest daughter and JC is her, her daughter. So Evil's granddaughter Yeah, and my nanny. Yeah. <laughs> Used so, to be Tim's nanny. Yeah. Yep. So Alicia texted and said, Hey, I don't know what you guys have planned for tonight, but we're right now at a bar across town. Kid Rock's here. Tim's here. We're all just here hanging out. You were there too, David, I think hanging out at the bar mm-hmm. Yep. and basically just saying, Hey, if you want to come here, you won't really like talk to him or anything necessarily, but if you just want to come and meet up with us and hang out. So it was like, yeah, I mean, don't have anything else planned for the last night. So go back to the room, change. JC comes and picks us up um, from the hotel. We go to the bar. And while we're on our way to the bar, Alicia calls JC and says, hey, change of plans. You're picking all of us up. And there were like, what, 10 of us, yeah. 10 or 12 of us legit in this. Probably 10. Probably 10. probably 10. Yeah. Everybody's sitting on laps and all this stuff. We pull up to the bar, everybody piles in. And the new plan was that we were going to Kid Rock's house. And it was like, wait, what is even <laughs> happening here? So already it was just kind of like, is this really what's going on? Uh, I mean, let's just see. So we end up piling, you know, Tim and his wife, Danielle and JC and Matt and Alicia and you and Celeste and a couple other people. So we pile into this SUV. What we stopped at like a convenience store and got snacks Mm -hmm. and drinks because we didn't know really what what was going on. Yeah. So Tim's telling us where to, you know, where to drive and stuff. And, uh, we pull up to this gate out in the middle of like nowhere of Tennessee, basically. Yep. Out in the, yeah. Out in the sticks. I mean, so uh, we pull up to this gate, roll the window down, push the little button and just say, hey, okay, it's 
It's Tim, Montana. We're here with our crew. All right, boop, push us through. We go up this long, remember that long driveway? You were mm -hmm. like literally. Gra long gra gravel driveway up up the top of a huge hill. Yeah, huge bluff that ended up actually looking out over downtown Nashville, which was super cool. So we get up there. We pull up to this huge roundabout. There's a Bentley. No, Rolls. Oh, was it a Rolls? Yep. Oh, dang it. A Rolls Royce, brown. Brown Rolls Royce parked in the front of a double wide trailer <laughs> wrapped in camo. <laughs> I can't, you can't make yeah. this no, up. No, you can't. You can't make it up. No. The deck in front was twice the size of the house. It was, yeah. <laughs> with, a machine, with a machine gun sitting on the <laughs> rail of the deck. Wasn't there even oh. a sign in the window that says like for, for rent? rent? Yes. Yeah, nice. totally. So we were just like, what is going on here? And yeah, I mean, we all go inside and his girlfriend, Kid Rock's girlfriend. Um, Bob, we can go with Bob. We go with Bob at this point. Yeah, we do call him Bob. <laughs> That's his nickname. Yeah, it, Kid Rock's just his, yeah. It sounds a little too We, we switched Bobby. to Bob because Kid Rock was a little, yeah. yeah but in his house, you, you call him Bob. Yeah. Everyone did. So we, yeah. So Bob's girlfriend answers the door and is just like super kind and hospitable. He has a security guy. I even remember his name was Bravo. Bravo nice. is like mixing up drinks for us in red solo cups. Yep. 100%. Full on the real deal. Full on the real deal. And uh, Bob was out back because, yeah, I think the footprint of their back deck was even like bigger than the front deck. Yeah. And there's like a sauna out there and a bar. And that's where it looked out over downtown Nashville. And yeah, we go back there and we're sitting at the bar. Just hanging out, <laughs> and this and this isn't some big party. No, this, this is the is like, this is us ten plus like four or five yeah. other people. That's it. It hanging yep. out for several hours. Yep. What was the other? Uh, um, the fiddleman. Um, oh yeah. And his wife. Gosh, what was Tim? His, uh, his name's Tim too. Um, can't remember his Tim name. Tim Watson. Yeah, Tim Watson. Yeah. What about the country guy? Incredible. The younger guy. Oh gosh. Party. John Who was party. the other one? Yeah. Party or something like that. P a r d i. Yeah. So it was just like, again, maybe. And they, they, they called Darius Rucker to come over, but he was busy. For real. <laughs> I'm not joking. Darius, I swear I to God. I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there were maybe a total of like 15 people. Yeah. 10 of which came from our vehicle. Yes. And a couple other random people that showed up over the evening. Maybe at max it got to like 20 people. But we're just hanging out on his back deck and um, having drinks. And um, Tim Watson gets his fiddle out and he's playing and it was just so surreal, but just like the coolest experience. So then um, one of my funny parts of it was anytime, now this might be TMI, but anytime any friends talk about a bidet, my funny thing is that the first time I ever used a bidet was at Bob's, Bob's house. <laughs> so I go in to use the restroom. And again, we're talking, this is nothing crazy fancy. It's a double wide. It's a nice double wide. That's yeah, all yeah. customized. And doesn't he have like a, the entire basement? He has a basement built in for his recording studio or something. I can't I remember that. They were saying. He's got a giant garage with just, it was, the whole place was actually cool. Yeah. Super cool. So anyway, I go to use the restroom and of all things, it was out of toilet paper. And, you know, I'm like, okay, am I really going to go through Kid Rock's like under cabinets right. of his bathroom or whatever, try and find toilet paper. And I see this little handle thing for a bidet. And I'm like, well, 
here we go. You know, I guess yeah. this is going to be it. So the first time I used a bidet was at his house. But again, everything was just. You get that, so folks? The first time she ever used yeah. a bidet was at Bob, otherwise known as Kid Rock's house. That's yeah. awesome. And then, I mean, gosh, from there, the night we were hanging out back for a while and just having a great old time laughing and uh, came inside and Tim and Tim, Tim, Tim Watson, Tim Montana and Kid Rock all get their guitars and fiddles and stuff out. And we just sat on the floor and hung out and we were singing. It was like a full blown, just like jam session. It was amazing. It, it was sitting so in his living room fun. and he was using a Coors light can to slide on, like the, Dobro yeah, on the, on the guitar. guitar. It was just, it was crazy. Really, it was really so surreal. When I peed in the bathroom, didn't use the bidet. When I peed, <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking, I can't believe I'm peeing at, peeing at Kid Rock's house. Yeah. yeah. And I think the coolest part about all of it, and this is so cliche of everybody to be like, oh, famous people are just like normal people too. But really, it was like being at just a friend's house, yeah. just like hanging out and you're all having a good time and you're drinking and you're laughing and you're telling stories and um, it was just, yeah, it was crazy. And it was one of those things where then, you know, I think the night wound down at what, like 2 AM or something. We didn't leave until pretty late. Mm -hmm. And then the next morning you're like, all right, I'm just going home to my regular life. And <laughs> yep. meanwhile, literally yesterday I was hanging out at Bob's house and singing and all. You know, yeah. It yeah. was, a, it was Celeste, a really, really Celeste fun. had a great time too. Every, it was so fun. Yeah. So if kid rock didn't have toilet paper and he didn't have a bidet, and he used the restroom, we'd call him Skid Rock. Oh, <laughs> nice. Man, anyway. that's a yeah, good one. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably not many bidets in, in double wide. I would I say would there's imagine. not there's any. The, maybe. Maybe. Well, a, we know there's just one. Just a garden there's hose. One. There's you one. Use that. That'll right. work. Right. Um, yeah, Tim Montana just wrote a new song for Travis Tritt mm -hmm. on oh, a kind of a comeback Tritt. thing. Nice. And uh, yeah, so look for that coming out soon. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, thanks, Anna. Thank thanks, you. Anna. Nice little uh, diversion there at the end with some Kid Rock action. And nice to hear about Barista uh, 22 brand and the whole bit. Yeah, absolutely. So where, where can someone go get Barista 22? What should they look up? You have a website. How, how do they get in contact with you? What's, what's the best way? Yeah, definitely. So if someone has a coffee business and they're interested in our products, you can go to our website at barista22.com. You can also send us an email at info at barista22.com and we will get you some samples of our products. We also have a variety of distributors across the United States. So we will link you up with whichever one is closest to you. Even if you want it for home use, we have plenty of people who order it to, you know, add different flavorings and products to their drip coffee at home and get creative with stuff. So cool. Yeah, hit us up for sure. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, I Anna. To say a quick thank, thank you, you though to um, Matt Vincent, Alicia Vincent, and JC Knievel and Tim Montana for and Danielle Montana for making uh, that fun night a reality for us hanging out at Kid Rock's house. So thanks a lot, guys. Well, thanks for listening to the DCR podcast. I hope you got a lot of great information on this last episode. So subscribe to it on Apple if you did, share it with your friends, and as always, visit our website and buy some of the great coffees we were talking about today. And remember to help people make friends and have fun. 